You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? And welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, and what a night, what a regular season opener for the 2021 NFL season. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers edging out the Dallas Cowboys 31-29 to on Thursday night. So much to get into with that game. You saw two of the better teams in the NFC, perhaps an NFC championship game preview later on down the line, and you saw two of the better quarterbacks in the NFC have career nights in a lot of respects. And a lot to get into breaking down that game, a lot to get into looking ahead to week one of the NFL season and a Sunday slate that's charged full of really great matchups. We're going to chat with DeMarcus Ware, seven-time All-Pro, a little bit later on in this podcast, pick his brain about some of the top pass rushers in the league today, who's next to cash in after TJ Watt's mega deal signed on Friday, and we'll check in with University of Buffalo running back Dylan McDuffie, get his thoughts on the new NIL rule in college football, how tough it is for a small school prospect to make the NFL draft, and a whole lot more. It's really going to be a fun show. And it just feels so great to have regular season football back in earnest. But before we get into that, as always, a little bit of housekeeping for you. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store to the Stacking the Box NFL Podcast. You get two great NFL podcasts for the price of none. You get Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen on Tuesdays. And of course, the Matt Lombardo Show on Fridays in Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms go ahead and subscribe and here's the deal if you really enjoy this podcast if you like the insight if you love the guests that we bring to you every week please leave those five-star reviews. They help grow the show. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like, and give me your prediction, your bold prediction 
for the 2021 NFL season. I'm going to read the best ones next week. So go ahead, leave those five-star reviews, subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, all of those places. And let's just get right into it, because I think what we saw on Thursday night was two of the best teams in the league, bar none, the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we've talked about it all offseason, about what it just a Herculean feat it was for Jason Light and Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to return all 22 starters from their Super Bowl winner a year ago. And they answered the bell. They looked like a Super Bowl champion in every facet. They were tested in the secondary with some injuries late in the game. They have a depth safety and Andrew Adams come in and make a touchdown saving open field tackle on third down that forced the Cowboys field goal and you have to start with Tom Brady you just have to start with the greatest quarterback walking the planet having a career night a dominant performance in the season opener looking to defend his seventh going for his eighth Super Bowl championship and age 44 Tom Brady looked like he was 24 out there he looked like he was running laps around father time. I tweeted this during the game at Matt Lombardo NFL. There was no greater endorsement for the TB12 system, the TB12 diet, all of the things that helps Tom Brady stay in peak condition than what he did on Thursday night. 32 of 50, 379 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. One goes through his receiver's hands. One is on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Just dominant in all phases. And this looks like a Buccaneers team that's on a real mission. They look like, just as we expected, that with all of the continuity from a year ago, all of the chemistry, all of the cohesion, picking up where they left off in Brady's system with Bruce Arians, a a great night all around for Tampa Bay's offense, Antonio Brown, five catches, 121 yards and a touchdown, Chris Godwin, nine catches, 105 yards and a score. I know that he had the fumble that opened the door back up for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys offense in the fourth quarter and gave Dallas the opportunity to drive down the field and kick that go-ahead field goal. But Godwin emerged, in my opinion, watching that game as Tom Brady's favorite target. And you look at Rob Gronkowski, a couple of really big catches, had the touchdown catch in the first half, Eight catches, 90 yards, averaged 11.3 yards per reception, and he had the clutch catch to keep the drive going on Tom Brady's game-winning comeback drive in the fourth quarter. And it just looked like those two had not only turned back the clock, but like they were dialing up the clock for the rest of this year. That they looked like... This was the type of performance that these guys have been used to for a decade in New England and now two seasons with the Buccaneers, and it felt like a launching pad for them in their title defense. But on the other side, you look at that Dallas Cowboys offense, and I couldn't come away any more impressed by Dak Prescott and what he was able to do. His first game back from the injury, yes, on that opening drive, he bounced the throw to C.D. Lamb, and it looked like it took a little bit of time for those two to get on the same page. But Dak Prescott answered the bell, and the Dallas Cowboys offense in general, they withstood every punch from Brady and the Buccaneers, and they started throwing some of their own haymakers. Dak finishes Thursday night 42 of 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, a passer rating of 101.4, and it's the kind of night that this is why I think there's enough reason to be really bullish about the Dallas Cowboys, really optimistic about their chances of making a real run 
towards the Super Bowl this year. And I know that the defense gave up 31 points. They were put in some tough spots early on in the game, and that was a, a top five offensive line and probably a top two or three wide receiving core. But just some of the throws that Dak Prescott made, the touchdown late in the third quarter to Amari Cooper was just a big-time throw in a big-time spot. To get the ball back after the Godwin fumble near the goal line and then drive the Cowboys all the way down the field for a go-ahead field goal. You know, that was as clutch a performance as we've seen from Dak Prescott at any point in his career. And I said at the top of the podcast, I'll say it again, these were two of the top quarterbacks in the NFC, quarterbacking two of the top teams in the NFC. And I think they both have the elite wide receiving core, the elite quarterback play, the top-notch offensive line, and enough playmakers on defense that you can make a strong case that these are the two best teams in the conference, that there's a real chance they could meet again in the NFC Championship game in January on the road to the Super Bowl. So just a great game all around, an exciting season opener to the NFL's 2021 campaign. And we all know what the Buccaneers are, right? They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They have the greatest quarterback walking the planet. They have a top five head coach. And they brought everybody back from a year ago. And they look like a championship contender, if not more than that. But the Cowboys case is built around not only the explosive talent on offense, not just around Prescott and a rebuilt defense that I think is a little bit underrated, but it's their schedule. I mean, they talked about this, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth did during the broadcast on Thursday night, but the Cowboys aren't really tested until they play the Kansas City Chiefs in week 11. That's the next time that the Cowboys play a playoff team from the 2020 season. I mean, you just look at what's coming down the pike for Dallas. Yes, they have to go and play Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers next week on the road. That's a tough game. But then they come home, they play a Philadelphia Eagles team. It's a division rival. I think the Eagles are better. But I think the Cowboys are a peg above the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're a peg above the New York Giants. But after the Eagles game, they get the Panthers at home. They get the Giants at home. Then they go on the road to what I think is a sleeper team in the New England Patriots before they have to go on the road again to the Minnesota Vikings and coming back against the Broncos and Falcons leading up to that showdown with the Chiefs. But there's a chance that you're only going to lose three or four games before you get to November. And if that's the case, that sets you up to springboard a little bit because I think the Raiders are overrated. Then you get the Saints, and then it's division play the rest of the way for the Dallas Cowboys. This is a team, and I touched on this during my my column on Wednesday, previewing the NFL season and making my predictions for each of the, the divisions across the NFL. I think the Cowboys are a team that can win 11 games. And nothing that I saw on Thursday night dissuaded me from that. And when it comes to the Buccaneers, look, you can make a case they can go 16-1. and They could go 15-2. and They look like a team that's on a mission. They have all the talent in place. They have the quarterback who showed you that until the clock strikes zero, it doesn't matter how much time is left on the game. If he's down by one score... He's going to do what he has to do to beat you. He did it again on Thursday night. That was the 49th game-winning drive of Tom Brady's career. And while the Buccaneers certainly face a tougher road to the postseason, they still have to play the Saints twice, of course, within the division. They play the Rams on the road. Of course, they have to play the Saints twice within the division. And they go to Foxborough. What a great game that's going to be in two weeks. I can't wait for that must-see theater with Brady and Belichick. But my point here is... There aren't that many teams on the schedule where 
you, know, you say, okay, they, they're talented enough. They can rush the passer up the middle and they can make Tom Brady's life miserable, but they can also put up all kinds of points and, and neutralize the front seven and the run defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that's their bread and butter. And you saw it on Thursday night. They have the depth in the secondary and the playmakers in the secondary that it's tough to throw on them as well. So just a great opening night featuring two of the best teams in the league, a great game to kick off the season. And I think, and I've said it a few different times, I think the Cowboys and the Buccaneers are going to meet again. On the other side, we'll chat with seven-time All-Pro pass rusher DeMarcus Ware, get his thoughts on some of the top pass rushers in the league today, who's next to cash in, and who's the rookie that he's most excited about, and a whole lot more. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside Fansided's Stacking the Box podcast feed. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. And this is going to be a really fun conversation. Few people better to talk about the pass rushers in the NFL than seven-time All-Pro DeMarcus Ware. You can follow DeMarcus on Twitter, at DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus is doing some great stuff with Crown Royal ahead of this NFL season. DeMarcus, how you doing, man? Hey, doing great, man. How you doing? I'm great. Really happy and appreciative to have you on here. And, you know, we've seen a real renaissance of elite pass rushers over the last few years. Miles Garrett, Bradley Chubb, Chase Young, just to name a few. But when you watch the NFL on Sundays, DeMarcus, who's the best of that bunch in your opinion? Um, I look at, you know, when you start talking about like Bradley Chubb coming in, I, I you know, Miles Garrett. Um, he's one of those guys, man, that it's you know how it's like a, a one hit wonder, a guy that's on the team to where there's other guys on there, but he is like that ultimate pass rusher, that single guy that singled out is getting double they're still effective from the guys that you said, right? Because, you know, you got Chubb, he still has Vaughn. You got a couple of other guys that you said. So I just think that, you know, for me, is Miles Garrett. And, um, I mean, he's a baller. For sure. And when you look at the Broncos and what they've done over the last couple of years, pairing Von Motor with Bradley Chubb, and then you throw in a guy like Malik Reed coming off the edge who had eight sacks last year, What's their ceiling as a defense? Because they have all that firepower on offense, but I feel like not enough people are talking about their front seven. How good can Denver be? You know, and that's a crazy thing that a lot of that a lot of people aren't doing is talking about Denver, and I think they're going to be a sleeper team. You can see how they've been playing during the um, preseason, you know, scoring points, winning football games. But one thing that I saw is just the tenacity of the defense was back. You know, when I played, it was crazy, right? We were the number one defense in the league, and they have that mentality back, back now. But they also got a quarterback in there that can get the job done with Teddy. I see that you just, you know, name him the starter. So um, I think it's going to be a really cool season to see how everything unfolds. You got Vaughn back, Chubb back, you know, a couple – you got Reed back. So um, I, th- I think it's going to be good, and I can't wait to see him. It's funny you bring that up because I surveyed over a dozen current players, coaches, scouts, executives, couple head coaches on their sleeper team this year. And Denver was the most named team out of the bunch. So I think people inside the league might be higher on the Broncos than fans and the media are. But, you know, we touched on Bradley Chubb a little bit ago, and I know that he's dealing with an ankle injury coming into the opener. But when you watch him, how good can he be and what's the ceiling for his career? I think he can be great. Um, I got to mentor him for a year when I was up there in Denver and to see how um, just the presence that he brings to the game on the right side to also supplement Vaughn, um, more of a power guy. And when you have a power guy with speed 
and then he adds a little finesse in there, that's when you start having a complete player, and that's what he is. And I think that ceiling's to the roof for him. It's all about staying healthy. You know, there was a uh, ankle injury now, but you know, I think that's not going to hold him back. Um, so it's just staying healthy, and you know, that's got to be the limit for him. And and hopefully, you know, he's able to play this game. Demarcus, I want to switch gears real quick to a team that you spent nine years with, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Give me your thirty thousand foot view of what that rebuilt defense is going to look like this year. Um, just looking at the defense, I. Um, from a bird's eye view, I see a lot of guys flying around like they didn't do last year. They're playing a lot more confident. You got some younger guys coming in that can make plays. And um, I'm starting to see that defense come back, especially with D-Law, um, him coming back off of two seasons where he wanted to be effective. But guess what? Injuries just crushed him. But now he, he's coming back a lot stronger, can being able to do the things that he can do. So from a bird's eye view, I think that they – are um, a team that is has built a good structure. They got all the offensive guys back, and uh, I just can't wait to see them play against the Super Bowl champs. Michael Parsons was one of the standouts of the preseason. PFF had him as the highest-graded run defender among rookies. And, and you look at what really gashed that defense last year was not great inside linebacker play, but Mike is a kid that you can put off the edge, you can have him in coverage, you can rush him up the middle, he can stop the run. What do you see out of Micah Parsons, and, and, and what do you think about his prospects as a rookie? Um, when you talk about a guy with so much athleticism and speed, you think about pass rush, right? And one thing you just said is he can stop the run, which I really like because that's what people wouldn't suspect of a guy with so much athleticism that can get to the quarterback. And so that makes him, you know, a great diverse player. And um, I got to work with him about three days ago and to see him, you know, learn the pass rush moves, put the things in his toolbox was, you know, really cool to see. So, um, like I said, just like Chubb, the, um, the sky's the limit for him, and him them drafting a guy like that is going to just give them an extra uh, edge. What did you learn about Micah Parsons, the person, in addition to Micah Parsons, the football player, when you were working with him? Exactly what I saw, a kid that has been through a lot, um, still going through a lot, but the thing is that tenacity plays in his game just like I did. And coming from really nothing and using whatever he has in his life to um, just make it work. And now he has an opportunity on a huge Dallas Cowboy platform uh, to make a difference. You know, I want to talk about Dak Prescott for a little bit here because, you know, he's the face of the Dallas Cowboys, which means he's one of the faces of the league. He's now paid, right? He's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And all the talk was, you know, what are the expectations for him What want for him to get the contract? Now that he's paid, as a guy who's intimately familiar with the Dallas Cowboys organization and with Dak Prescott, DeMarcus, you know, what are the expectations and what should they be for Dak Prescott from here on out? Um, I just want to see a healthy Dak Prescott. That's what I want to see. I want to see him handing the ball off to Z, managing that offense. And when he's healthy, the team just catapults into a whole different team because that's what great quarterbacks do. So being able to have him back, you know, especially, you know, saying something wrong with his shoulder and now he's at least 100% from what I know. Um, I think that that's what that missing piece that that can bring to the game. And I can't wait to see them uh, just play tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, this is a season opener. So I'm going to pop me some crown, right? Put, put it on ice because, you know, I'm working with crown and 
um, and I'm going to enjoy some football. Absolutely. And a, a guy that I enjoy watching is TJ Watt. What's his actual value? And is it on the same level as a Josh Allen? Because we all know pass rushers are the second most important position to quarterbacks in this league. I'm so glad to see um, outside linebackers, pass rushers make the money like quarterbacks because they can wreak havoc. And when they're really good and they get a sack here, a sack there, a disruptive play here or there, that cre- it's almost like that's a turnover. And when you got a guy that can create two and three turnovers a game, that automatically catapults you to 75%, almost winning a game with just one person. Just like it converts over to if you have a great quarterback, let him score three touchdowns in a game and be consistent with it. Majority, you're going to win majority of the games if you got a good defense. So it goes hand in hand and, and being able to see guys make money like that at, at that position, you know what, it makes me want to put the cleats back on and, and get back out there. But um, I'm glad to see those guys doing well. Instead of putting the cleats on, you know, let's say you crack open the Crown Royal, you pour yourself a cocktail on Sunday. Who's the pass rusher? Who are the top three pass rushers in this league? Top three pass rushers. I got to go with my boy, Vaughn. I got to go with Miles Garrett. And I got to go with Aaron Donald. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. If you put them out there, they are, I mean, just a single wrecking ball that can, you know, just tear a team up, offense up, just wreck the whole game. And so that's what I always look for is that one guy that if I can put him in the football game and let him just play, they're going to make plays and they're going to create some problems. Who's the rookie that you have on your radar, the rookie rusher? Oh, Micah. Actually, Micah Parsons. I know that, you know, he plays a little bit, you know, 4-3, 3-4, but I want to see him actually just get after the quarterback a couple of times, which I know that they're going to do in their hybrid type defense and uh, he's been working on a lot of pass rush moves as I know of and uh, I can't wait to see him. DeMarcus this has been a a real treat really enjoyed talking defense especially with one of the greatest to play the position now tell me about your partnership with Crown Royal it sounds like you have some pretty exciting and and pretty meaningful things on the horizon for this upcoming NFL season. Yeah so last night we kicked off uh, Crown Royal's generosity hour which really um, you know thank the uh, service workers, meaning like the hospitality industry. Um, And then one thing that they actually did was team up with Southern Smoke, with the Southern Smoke Foundation, which help assist, you know, the food and beverage community and all of their suppliers, right? But on the other hand, they also are still helping out and serving the military like a long time ago when they did the Purple Bag Project. But last night was that first kickoff. It It almost felt like a game when I walked into the Dallas Cowboys Stadium and went through the tunnel and could have just, you know, I mean, pounded the ground like I used to. But it was really fun uh, to now put myself second to make some other people feel first who serve us. And that's what Crown's doing, you know, and they do so many charitable things, which, you know, with the Purple Bag Project, with the Generosity Hour this year, this is not just the first time they're doing it. They're going to do it um, at some other stadiums um, around the league. And this is like the first partner in the NFL where they're actually partnering with a whiskey company, but also something that's been solid for years. And now it's just really cool to be part of something like that. DeMarcus, this has been fantastic. Really enjoyed the conversation and the insight and really appreciative of what you and Crown Royal are giving back to the first responders, the service members and everybody out there. Really appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you further up the road, my man. 
Uh, thank you so much. Just awesome insight there from DeMarcus Ware and a great cause with Crown Royal and everything they're doing to give back to service members and first responders. So really enjoyed that conversation. And I thought it was really interesting, his top three pass rushers in the NFL. And right off the top of his head, former teammate Von Miller, of course, Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald. Von Miller, Giants head coach Joe Judge, who has the unenviable task this week of trying to keep him off of Daniel Jones's back called Von Miller a unicorn, says that he can wreck your your day in a heartbeat. And I think Judge is absolutely right about that. And, and that's why I think the Broncos are one of these underrated teams. And if you read Fansided this week, if you checked out Fansided.com's 2021 NFL season preview, I was able to survey about a half dozen current players, coaches, scouts, executives, two head coaches on some of the top storylines of the year, including the sleeper team that's going to come out of nowhere, that's not getting enough publicity, that people aren't optimistic enough going into the year. And the name that kept coming up was the Denver Broncos. And a lot of that has to do with all the firepower on offense. But you look at their pair of pass rushers, you have Bradley Chubb and you have Von Miller Two of the best in the game right now. Miller, of course, with a lot to prove coming off of his ankle injury that ended his season last September before it had the chance to start. Uh, he was top of mind for DeMarcus Ware, and rightfully so. Those guys were teammates that know each other very well. But that's one of the top duos in the league as far as pass rushers go. And then you look at Miles Garrett, who happens to be the centerpiece of a championship-caliber defense and who's averaged 10 and a half sacks for the first four years of his career. An easy pick there. And Aaron Donald, of course, a guy who a lot of players inside the league listed as their number one player on the NFL Top 100 ballots. So certainly some great insight from DeMarcus Ware into what makes those guys so special. But Friday, of course, you had the news of T.J. Watt signing his mega deal Four years, $112 million, and the great nugget from ESPN's Adam Schefter, who reported that Friday afternoon, T.J. Watt went against his agents, went against his best advice, and just marched into Art Rooney's office, pounded his fist on the table, and said he wants to get the deal done, and he becomes the highest-paced pass rusher in the league, and that's great, and good for T.J. Watt. I don't think anybody can doubt his conviction and his commitment to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's a hell of a player. You can make a case that T.J. Watt is the number one pass rusher in the league and an emergent superstar, no doubt in my mind about that. But if you're his agents, and if you're the NFLPA, and you're trying to get every dollar for the premier players at your position, and you have to negotiate future deals and look out for players coming up behind you, how does a guy like Bradley Chubb look at that? A guy who was drafted in the top 10 picks in 2018, a guy who you can make a case is right there behind TJ Watt and is a complimentary piece to Von Miller and a vital piece to the Denver Broncos' success. I don't know how much T.J. Watt is garnering a lot of favor around the NFLPA and, of course, in Bradley Chubb's camp for going in and, and taking $112 million when he might have left money on the table. But overall, congratulations and good for T.J. Watt. It's well-earned, and the Steelers keep one of the premier players at the position in place. Chubb's dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury going into the year, but he starts week one against the Giants. And if he's healthy and he's on the field... Look out. He could put up big numbers against New York, really set the tone. And at some point, 
Denver's going to have to pay up. On the other side, we'll chat with University of Buffalo running back Dylan McDuffie, get his thoughts on NIL, get his thoughts on being an NFL draft prospect coming from a small school, and a whole lot more. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, right here inside Fansided's Stacking the Box podcast feed. You're the one everyone looks to for answers. Come rain or shine, the job must get done. And you're the one who makes it happen. We get you, Jackie and Fresno, putting your employee safety first. And Manny in Chattanooga, whose local Granger team knows him by name. We're here for you and all the ones who get it done. With 24-7 customer support and access to product specialists to help you find what you need. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show, and this should be a lot of fun. You know, there's been some big changes in college football, and certainly NIL is a big part of that, and some small school prospects are making bigger waves than ever in the NFL. Great trade here to talk to University of Buffalo running back Dylan McDuffie. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dylan McDuffie 8. Dylan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today. No, I appreciate you for having me. Of course. And now you're coming off a pretty big game last week, a, a big win for Buffalo. And personally, you averaged 6.8 yards per carry. You scored two touchdowns. How's it feel to start off the season on that kind of footing? I mean, as a team as a whole, it's, it's pretty good just because everything we worked for over the summer paid off. But it's a long season, obviously. So we got to keep taking it a, a, um, a game at a time and just preparing like that. And me personally, I just try to apply what I do in practice in the game and just building on that. And one of your former teammates, Jared Patterson, had a record-setting career at Buffalo, you know, just in front of you. He signs with the Washington football team as an undrafted free agent. You know, what were you able to learn from him during your time together sharing the backfield? And, and have you kept in touch with him at all since he's, he's signed? Oh, yeah, definitely. Me and Jared talk pretty often, but um, really just how to, like, approach things as a pro, even, like, the small things like recovery, everything like that, you know, it's everything is about being a pro if you want to be a pro. So you got to do those things before you can get there. That's going to be a fun backfield there with Antonio Gibson and, of course, Jared Patterson there in Washington. Um, what, what's his feeling been like? Has he shared with you his expectations for starting his NFL career and what this whole process has been like for him? Because pretty soon that could be you following in those footsteps. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked too much about that, like just general stuff. We um, hit them up, like hit each other up, like congratulations and just checking on each other, but haven't gotten too much detail, but obviously I know Jerry's personality and he's going to take every opportunity he can and, and run with it. And Dylan, you're a kid, of course, coming from the Mac, you know, how much tougher is that road to get from where you are playing big time college football, focal point of your offense, trying to, you know, take that next step and make it to the NFL when, you know, you're not playing in the big 10, you're not playing in the SEC, how much does playing for a smaller school either impact your mentality or your preparation or any of those things? It don't impact anything I do, to be honest. I mean, I, I would approach everything the same no matter where I was at. Um, I could play with anybody I feel like anywhere. So can my team. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's football. And you got a great chance to this Saturday. You guys are traveling to Nebraska, obviously a big game against a, a powerhouse and a Big Ten school. You know, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on this game. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on Dylan McDuffie. What do you hope that the scouts who are in attendance and maybe some of the GMs who are checking in on TV, what do you hope that they see out of you and what are you hoping to show them during this game? 
Uh, somebody that just plays aggressive and loves to play the game, um, offense, special teams, um, somebody that's a smart player and does whatever to win. And, you know, the NIL, we touched on that at the start. That came into effect this spring. How has that changed life for you as a college athlete? Because to me, it's one of the most fascinating storylines of this entire college football season. And I think it's great that players are finally getting a piece of that pie from the university's cash cow that is these major college athletic programs. You get to market yourself a little bit. You get some opportunities. How much has that changed your life as a, a college athlete? I mean, it's definitely helped out just in terms of being able to profit off my my name, image, and likeness. I mean, I haven't really been doing too much during the season just because I'm I'm locked in on football. But um, I signed with an agent, Alex, well, NIL agent, Alex Kaminsky at ProZone, and he's been doing a great job of handling things for me while I can just focus on on football and what's in front of me right now. You have anybody you're working with? Any any uh, brands or or campaigns that you're already working on? Uh, it's a it's a few in the works right now, but. Nothing, nothing set in stone yet, but it's a few things that I've been going, few people I've been going back and forth with. Some nice. things should be coming after the season. Oh, I'll keep our, our eyes peeled for that. You know, your your head coach, Maurice Linquist, he spent last season with the Dallas Cowboys as their defensive backs coach. He's been in the NFL for four seasons as an assistant coach. You know, what have you been able to learn from him about what it's like to get to the NFL? what it takes to make that leap and just kind of your impressions as him as your head coach. Uh, man, I can't even put into words that just how great of a coach and person he is. The whole staff um, is a reflection of how great of a coach he is because it's from top to bottom. Everybody is on the same page. Um, small details, just everything that goes along with being a pro. I feel like he's really preparing us for that. And obviously him coming from the NFL is going to help us know what we have to do when we get to that level. Who are a couple of running backs in the NFL that you pattern your game after? Um, I would probably say Adrian Peterson, really. That's my favorite running back, like, ever. So I like Zeke. I like um Nick Chubb. I like those guys, downhill guys, one-cut guys, versatile guys. What do you think makes Zeke so special? Because obviously they have all those weapons. You have Dak. They have C.D. Lamb. They have Amari Cooper. But, of course, and Michael Gallup, too. But, of course, Ezekiel Elliott, he's always been the focal point of that offense. What do you think makes him so dominant when you watch him on Sundays? I mean, just the way he could wear on somebody, like, throughout the course of a game, especially, like, late in the season when teams are banged up and you don't want to keep coming up and tackling somebody moving that fast. That, that's big that, and that late in the game. Yeah, and, you know, just tell, tell me about your journey to the University of Buffalo. What, what, what was it been like? for you to get there and kind of, you know, wait your turn and now climbing to the top of the depth chart. What has this been like for you, your college career and your college journey? Um, my recruiting process was kind of crazy. I, there was a, a lot of places that I had a commitment with and then I kind of just, things kind of um, went one way or another for whatever reason. But I ended up at Buffalo just because I love, I wanted to be home. Um, I'm blessed to be here. I feel like this is a place for me and my college journey has really been something I just had to grind through and prepare for the moment I'm in now. I'm excited to watch you this season. Excited to watch you Saturday you. at Nebraska. Dylan McDuffie, appreciate you taking a few minutes. Best of luck further up the road and look forward to talking to you soon. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate Dylan McDuffie chatting with us before he hops on the bus, hops on the plane 
with the University of Buffalo football team to go to Nebraska to take on the Cornhuskers. And I'm excited to see what the kid's able to do. Jared Patterson, of course, lays the groundwork. He's the runway to the NFL out of the University of Buffalo. Kind of cool that those two keep a connection and kind of, you know, chat up what it takes to get to the league. And I'm excited to see what Dylan is able to do through the rest of his college career. But I'm even more excited to see what happens on Sunday because let's be real about this, the NFL is king and if Thursday night was any indication, if Thursday night is the appetizer to week one, I think we're in for a real treat. And I give the NFL schedule makers a lot of credit because I think they put together a really outstanding Sunday slate in week one. And of course, you got some great matchups in the afternoon window, Denver and the Broncos. If Saquon Barkley plays, what does that Giants offense look like after not spending much time together during training camp? Is Daniel Jones able to take the next step? The Bears and Rams, a little bit of intrigue there because you don't know what's going to happen if Andy Dalton gets knocked around by Aaron Donald and that Rams defense. Do we see Justin Fields? Do they go to Nick Foles if something... you know, cataclysmic happens to Andy Dalton during that game. And, you know, what's the Bears defense able to do against Matthew Stafford and a revamped Los Angeles Rams offense? But there are three games, in my opinion, that really stand out. Three games with massive playoff implications. Three games that are going to tell us a lot about just what some of these teams in this league are. And let's just start in the one o'clock window with Buffalo and the Pittsburgh Steelers, because The Buffalo Bills are probably not only the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC, they might be a favorite to win the whole thing. You look at what they have on offense with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, a great running back duo in Devin Singletary and Zachary Moss. Sean McDermott is as bright a coach as there is in this league, defensive-minded, tough as nails, great talent on defense. And the Steelers are are kind of one of these wild card teams that are hanging around. They went out, they got some young talent with Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth in the draft. Two of my favorite picks on the offensive side of the ledger in the entire draft. I think they had to do it to kind of prop up Roethlisberger. We talked a lot about the Steelers two weeks ago with Charlie Batch. And the lack of the running game last year really hurt the Pittsburgh Steelers and was really detrimental and exasperated the issues with Ben Roethlisberger not being able to push the ball downfield late in the season. If he can turn it around and hand it off to Najee Harris, a guy that behind that offensive line you could push for 1,500 all-purpose yards that kind of year as a rookie, hey, God bless you. And then you have Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, all kinds of weapons. But what is Ben Roethlisberger able to do with them? Is he able to maximize them? And you got a real test out of the shoot with the Bills on the road. Six and a half point underdogs are the Steelers. And I keep referencing the survey that I was able to conduct of coaches, executive GMs and players and scouts leading into the season. The Buffalo Bills were the team that received the most votes as the Super Bowl winner this year. So there's a lot of optimism inside the league. I had a scouting director in the AFC tell me that he thinks the Super Bowl is going to come down to the Buffalo Bills and whoever Tom Brady plays for because Brady elevates his team to another level, that of course being the Buccaneers. He thinks the Bills win that game. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of start the Bills get off to. And I look at that Eagles and Falcons game, and I'm intrigued by it because much like Daniel Jones, who we touched on very briefly and what he needs to do against the Denver Broncos and whether or not he can put his first big step forward, 
This is a prove-it year for Jalen Hurts. And the Eagles went out. They built a, an offense that's really constructed around speed with Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, Miles Sanders. There's a lot of talent there. And the Eagles are great along the line of scrimmage. I think they could win eight or nine games this year. I really do. I, I'm really bullish on what I saw out of the Eagles during training camp. And if Hurts is the real deal, if he's even a top 15 quarterback in this league, the Eagles can push for a wild card in the NFC. But they have to go on the road. They have to take on Atlanta. Their secondary is going to be tested by the likes of Kyle Pitts, of course. And of course, you have Kyle, Calvin Ridley there. So you have a lot of weapons to contend with. Eagles are three and a half point dogs. I'd probably bet Philadelphia there. But of course, the game of the weekend and the game that I've had circled and pointed in red marker, if you've listened to this podcast, dating back to when we debuted back in March, it's the Chiefs and the Browns. This really is the biggest test the Chiefs are going to face until they have to go to Buffalo and play the Bills in week five. The Browns, they, they went out this offseason. They bring in Jadeveon Clowney. They, they added all kinds of talent at linebacker and in the secondary. Andrew Barry had one of the best offseasons of any general manager in the league. And you already have an offense with Baker Mayfield, who you have to believe is really motivated, betting on himself. This is the year where he can go out and earn the kind of contract that he's seen Josh Allen get, that he's seen Dak Prescott get, that he's seen Patrick Mahomes sign. And, you know, you talk to people inside the league, he needs a big year, and he has the weapons. He has one of the best running back duos in the league. He has some top wide receivers in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., you're going up against arguably the most explosive offense in the entire NFL. I don't know how you shut down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey unless you're able to just abuse Patrick Mahomes for 60 minutes. That's the formula. Knock Patrick Mahomes around, make him uncomfortable, just a relentless barrage of pressure. But what the Buccaneers did in the Super Bowl, that's kind of an outlier. That's an outlier because the Chiefs were playing basically three or four backup offensive linemen. They went out, they bring in Orlando, Orlando Brown. They draft a lineman in the first round. They've rebuilt that offensive line from top to bottom. They invested in that line to make sure that what happened against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl never happens to Patrick Mahomes again. But the Browns have the horses to do it. And they hung with them for a bit in the AFC Divisional round. I'm fascinated by this game because I think that if the Kansas City Chiefs get by the Browns, they could go 17-0, and they can walk into the number one seed. And if you have to go into Arrowhead, a packed Arrowhead, mind you, in January, good luck. There aren't many teams that can go into that environment against that team and win and go to the Super Bowl. But if they lose, then all of a sudden, you kind of leave the door cracked open for the Browns and the Bills later on. The Browns are six-and-a-half-point underdogs. I don't know that... The Browns are better than the Chiefs at this point in the year, but I do know that I wouldn't want to break in my new-look offensive line for the first time in Week 1 against Miles Garrett, Jadeveon Clowney, and that front seven. I don't know that the Browns win outright, but I think they keep it close, and I think it winds up being a great game. So that's all the time we have today. I really can't wait for Sunday afternoon. I hope you enjoy the Week 1 games. Thanks, as always, to Fansided's Cole Thompson. Does a fantastic job producing this program. Really appreciate DeMarcus Ware checking in on the program. Just great insight, a fantastic conversation. And thanks, of course, to Dylan McDuffie, the University of Buffalo running back really enjoyed our chat as well if you like what you heard on the podcast please go ahead and subscribe
subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms. And I really would truly appreciate those five-star reviews. I'm Matt Lombardo. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Enjoy the week, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Matt Lombardo Show. And we'll talk to you next week right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Jamie's Log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard, day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington said she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.